Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So today we've come out to the side of a road by a junction in Cambridge. What are we doing here? Well, we're, we're at a junction that is called the Catholic Church Junction. And this is a junction that is meant to be improved through some grant money that the county council has got. So what they're doing is, first of all, they're removing a bunch of slip roads for cars and making the pedestrian environment a lot safer. And that should be commended. They're also putting in cycle lanes down Hills Road. Hills Road is one of the main links between the hospital and the railway station and the university. And what they're doing is they're putting cycle lanes in and hopefully also some advanced greens. So what exactly is an advanced green? An advanced green is a separate traffic light for people on bicycles that turns green a few seconds before the main traffic light turns green. And what this does is it increases the number of cyclists who can get through a junction before the cars start causing all merry hell. And they've done this in places like Copenhagen, in one junction in Copenhagen, they just gave the people on bicycles about four seconds advanced green. And that reduced the number of deaths on that junction from 15 a year to one a year. Wow, so that's a really big difference. And have we seen anything like this in the UK before? No, hopefully Cambridge will be the first place in the UK which will try all these out. A busy junction like the Catholic Church Junction is an ideal place to do that. If it works here, then it will hopefully be rolled out in lots of other places. So this should be a really positive change for cyclists in Cambridge? It's a step towards a positive change. There are other problems in this junction. This junction is also on the main, what some people call the inner ring road. And at the moment, that is just dominated by queuing traffic. If you took away one of the three car lanes and converted those into two cycle lanes, then you could quadruple the capacity of that road. As a cyclist myself, I wanted to know more about how to stay safe on the roads. So I spoke to Dr Ian Walker from the University of Bath, a specialist in the science of road safety. About 75% of all the collisions involving a driver and a cyclist uh, happen at a junction, which is more than for other vehicles. So very typically drivers come to junctions and do a very quick visual search, often in the region of less than half a second. They think, is there a large motor vehicle there? Quick glance is enough to confirm that, and then they can pull out safely. But the problem is that although a very quick glance is enough to confirm that there isn't a big truck or car there, it's not necessarily enough to confirm that there isn't a cyclist there, which takes a rather more careful, longer look. There was some work done a few years ago in Finland, actually, that tried various methods for trying to increase the chances of drivers spotting cyclists. And they did all sorts of things, including sticking up flashing signs and things to try and draw drivers' attention to the right place. But actually, the only thing that really worked was a speed bump, simply slowing drivers down and giving them more time to look around was the best thing they could do to make it more likely that cyclists would be spotted. So there's nothing you can actually do as a cyclist to make yourself more visible and therefore safer? 
No, not really. And there's a lot of belief that it's up to cyclists to cover themselves in high-visibility gear to protect themselves. But there's quite a lot of evidence emerging over the past five years to say that it doesn't make that much difference putting high-visibility gear on. There's quite a large study just published in Nottingham very recently of cyclists with and without high-vis gear and found no difference between them at all in how likely they were to have accidents. And does that apply just in good visibility or is it in the dark as well? Yeah, nighttime might be a completely different kettle of fish. Uh, We're a bit lacking in evidence there. The one thing we do have decent evidence on is that people wearing high visibility at night overestimate how visible they are. Uh, High vis at night might make people feel safer than they are. We don't know too much yet about how good it is for drivers spotting you. Is there anything about the cyclists that actually does affect how cars interact with them? I've done a couple of studies now looking at how drivers respond to the appearance of a cyclist when they're passing them on the road. So collisions at junctions tend to be where cyclists are just not being spotted. Collisions during overtaking tend to be inappropriate decisions based on cyclists who has been spotted. So in the original study a few years ago, we found that wearing a helmet tended to lead to drivers getting a bit closer. We found that women got more space than men. More recently, we tried this big range of different outfits and found not that much happening, to be honest. Even outfits that made the wearer look pretty much like a police officer didn't make that much difference. You saw some changes in how much space was left overall, but whatever the cyclist was wearing, something like 1% or 2% of motorists came far, far too close. So it looks like there's nothing a cyclist can do with their outfit to prevent these very closest and most dangerous overtaking events. One of the key points of these studies is to study drivers in the wild when they don't know they're being studied, because otherwise you're probably going to change their behaviour. So we know that people respond to the cyclist's gender, but because they're naive participants, we don't know why. It's possible that people are judging female cyclists to be less experienced or skilled, but that would certainly be a very disappointing uh, explanation if that's what it turned out to be. And how exactly do you go about studying these drivers and their interactions with the cyclist? Basically by recording their actions. So you can either use ultrasonic distance sensing equipment or you can use video analysis using fairly hidden devices on the bicycle. And then later analysis can look at how much space was left in different circumstances. If there is nothing the individual cyclist can do, who do we need to rely on to make sure we are safe and protected when we cycle? In the road safety world, we often talk about the three E's, engineering, education and enforcement. And those are the directions we need to be looking in to make cyclists safer. So we need to be looking at engineering. In other words, we need to be building separate cycle systems or better junctions that are about safety and not about maximising vehicle flow. We need to be looking at education. We need to get more people trying to cycle on roads themselves before they're allowed to drive so that they understand what it's like to be a cyclist and change their behaviour. And we need enforcement. We need the police and the legal system to take bad driving more seriously than they do at the moment.